0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10 season show. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode 14, Jobbed. Mary, what happened this week?
1: There is a truth to be known about Val's dad, and only two people know what it is, Val and her old friend, Tom Miller from Buffalo, who just popped into town for a surprise visit. He's going to stay at Casa Walsh and maybe work at the P-Pad, which David thinks isn't the greatest idea. I guess we'll see, but not today.
2: Yeah, so David and Tom were really, like, aggressive with each other when Tom first showed up, right? Like, I'm not making that up.
0: Yeah, and like, I don't get it, you know, first of all, but also I'm like, They both were on edge immediately. Yeah. It's like, was David offended that he, that Tom saw him screwing in a light bulb or unscrewing it or whatever he was doing with the light bulb? And then was David worried that Tom was like an intruder, like stranger danger? You know what I mean? Like, but regardless, it escalated so fast. Yeah. I was trying to think
2: historically what David would have been like on edge for. Cause mm-hmm. it's not like Val has the greatest taste in people outside of this group, you know, that we've seen, Yeah, but we also have seen her frankly, hold her own. Like I think someone else has gotten the upper hand on her. That's not, you know, Brandon being all high and mighty one time and it was ginger saying that she had to like give up David, mm-hmm. but that's the only time I could think of. And yeah david just told tom to get the hell
0: out by not telling him who he was right it was just so hyper masculine toxic stuff that was so unnecessary especially when you then see like val just open you know the door from her office and is like tom like so excited so happy and then she's so excited just the fact that he's here so i'm like what was the point of that? Like, are we supposed to, are we supposed to be David in the situation and immediately be like, okay, I don't know about you. Like, who are you? What are you doing here? And be suspicious, or are we supposed to be Val?
2: Producer Mary has corrected me that there was one other time that someone has one-upped Val, and it was Suzanne with a gun in Mexico. Ooh. So, okay. When someone gets the upper hand on Val. It's pretty bad. It's it's like at a
0: 20 instead of a 10.
2: <laughs> and I guess there was also the time she got arrested for faux prostitution. Okay. You know what? I think David took it a little far.
0: But maybe now I'm like slowly getting to his side. <laughs> like, I just. Sure. But still the just the immediate. Yeah. Aggress- aggression was just a lot. <laughs> Still a 20 out of 10, still just
2: so toxic masculinity. Cause it's really like he feels the need to protect her, even though she is a grown adult. Yes. When like she didn't ask him to do any of that. But then on the other hand, I do think we're supposed to be on David's side because For Tom sure. keeps being like, don't worry about it. Don't tell her that I'm here. It's kind of a surprise. Like, don't worry about it. She's not expecting me. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, and while it's, like, you know, really none of David's business if this is a person from Valerie's life, it's still sort of his business because he's, like, half owner of the P pad now. And so this is not just a person who's connected to Val, but it's also a, a potential patron or whoever coming into his place of work. So, yeah, like, I, I it was just <laughs> maybe a little too much, but I, I, I'm o- I, I'm okay with him being sus not aggressively sus
2: yeah like maybe yeah she's in her office i'll go with you or like exactly yeah let me call her down yes while i stand here a hundred percent which as soon as val comes out and is so excited to see tom david's face where he's just like well damn i don't get to be macho savior man anymore kind of funny Mm-hmm. and yeah i mean we find out You know, the next time we see Val, we've skipped ahead. A ton of other storylines are happening that we'll get to. But she says that she runs into Brandon and Tracy on campus. And like Brandon kind of makes a comment about Val having friends her own age. And she's like, funny you should mention that.
0: A friend (laughs) my own age is going to come stay at our house for a while. And two things kind of entered my mind here, too, because like – Tracy calls Val a pal which I love the alliteration and rhyming there that's like my pal Val I just want it my gal pal Val Um, (laughs) but also like when I saw Tom I didn't get the vibe that he was like Val's age he looked really old to me save and later he talks about working in
2: construction or Val says he worked in construction and then he like worked on the Alaska pipeline like yeah he could be her age He could also be
0: my age. Now, what's interesting about that, and I didn't think about this when I was writing my notes until just now, but so highly likely that Tom did not go to college, right? Like Mm he just graduated high school or maybe not, who knows. And he went on, he found a great job with the Alaska Pipeline. So fun fact, one of my cousins, he also did not go to college, He actually started working in Texas on like natural gas stuff, but then also moved to Alaska and worked on natural gas stuff out there for a while. And so he was doing this kind of work pretty young. Like, you know, he was 18 when he graduated high school. And then he did. I don't remember how long he did that. He's like eight years older than me. So but he he lived in Texas and Alaska for like several years just working on stuff like that. So. Maybe now I'm I'm walking it back and thinking, okay, Tom very well could be Val's age or a year or two older. And I think that's fair. I think I am
2: like a little bit jaded from Kenny Bannerman being so much older Ugh, and then like I know. the guys on this show literally being in their 30s pretending to be in their 20s. True. And then, yeah, I don't have an experience of knowing anyone that worked in natural gas or on pipelines or anything. So all I can think of is like, Armageddon oh yeah which I don't know I guess maybe uh Ben Affleck in Armageddon may have been early mid-20s I haven't seen it
0: recently enough to remember what he looks like yeah I mean he looked young real young so so you know possibly Tom could be her age but I I think what's the most important thing about this scene (laughs) is that We find the connection that Tom used to work with her dad in construction, but he was also Val's first. First boyfriend? Yeah, that too.
2: (laughs) I loved it. I loved it so much. And the fact that, like, as these, like, you know, junior and senior in college, because we find out Tracy is a year younger than everybody else, that she's still just, like, first boyfriend. Right? Like a little bit of innocence there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also when Val tells Brandon that Tom is staying at the house, she specifically says he's staying on the couch. Right. Which, first of all, that shouldn't matter to Brandon because she's a fully grown adult and not his child. Exactly. But she does point out very specifically this is like a, you know, platonic relationship. He'll be on the couch. I'll be in my room our mouth kisses will be sub-Brandon levels. <laughs> yeah.
0: And speaking of, we see Tom unpacking his stuff in Valerie's room, by the way, mm-hmm. at yep. Castle, Castle Walsh. So who knows where he's sleeping? Who cares? Who cares? Um, but anyway, so he's like ruffling through his bag. I don't know if ruffling is the word. Rustling was what I was going for. He's rustling through his bag. And he has some videotape and I caught what it said. It's at Hardy street, June, 1995. Okay. And, um, and there's like obviously ominous music overlaid over the scene. So we're supposed to keep our eye on that and think, Oh, Tom's a mysterious character. Mm-hmm. But really the whole scene is just to set up that. And then for Val to call, check on him, see what he's up to. And say that, you know, they'll meet up at the beach, like she'll pick him up, and they'll go walk on the beach or something.
2: Yeah, it was pretty much just a moment to put people in places and have that somewhat ominous looking VHS tape.
0: Mm -hmm. Which Which I just, it it took me back, right? Like just the label on the outside of the VHS tape in just all capital letters, oh, takes me back.
2: I just listened to a podcast about The Ring, and the hosts were like, there's nothing more ominous than a blank VHS tape.
0: Seriously, though, you don't know what's on that thing. (laughs) Yeah, like he picked it up, and you know,
2: it's got writing on it, but you don't know that that's what's actually on that. Maybe he taped over it, and it's an All My Children's episode. Right? There's nothing more terrifying than a VHS tape that you
0: just don't know what's on it. You're like, "Uh." I will say, though... Now that I'm thinking about the years that this show has been on, if that was 95, I think maybe it was a mistake. Because the gang oh. graduated in 93, so that would that would technically put Val two years, if this was Val's senior year, assuming this was the last part of her high school, because what we find later... Mm -hmm. that would put val two years younger than the gang but she's in the same grade and same age well and i think
2: i think she was on the show in 95 so like yeah i guess like yeah timing wise it could have just worked out but then yeah it would put val as two years younger than everyone else which means that she showed up at 18 and is 20 and running this club which again possible but like It's like legal age to drink
0: doesn't matter in this story. Which, right, 100%. (laughs) I had a thought while you said that. (laughs) Um, Val didn't technically show up until season five, which was 95. That's what I'm saying. Like, technically,
2: this timing could work. Like, Val could be two years younger than everybody else. I just... Never thought about it, I guess.
1: Did they say it was her senior prom or are we just guessing? We're
0: guessing because I'm thinking age-wise, like the she would have to be at minimum 18, a senior in 95.
1: I'm gonna throw out there that maybe Tom was a senior in 95 and Val was a sophomore, but he still took her to prom.
2: But then does that work with the timing of the show? Because We're in 1997 on the show, aren't we?
1: Oh, wait. Yeah. No. Then I'm wrong. That's dumb.
0: (laughs) Well, no. It could just be that Tom's younger than Valerie. Or it's just a mistake.
1: (laughs) It's got to just be a mistake. I feel like at a certain point when you get into enough seasons, you can be like, fuck continuity just a little bit because you need to like pull on some threads to make ends meet, you know?
0: Well, and also you have to think too, like you didn't have, you you didn't know if this show was ever going to be viewed again. So you could just, I mean, look at David's license that we just went over. Like you could just put a number on it and as long as it's in the same decade, it's probably fine because nobody's really going to catch it. And even if they did, who's going to like, where's it going to (laughs) go?
1: Yeah. Like the time that Brenda's birthday was in March, but also October.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or, like, exactly. Kelly's had two birthdays, or they all did junior year twice. Like, exactly. What even is continuity?
1: <laughs> junior year is just really hard for everyone.
2: It's so hard. <laughs> like, totally believable that Steve would repeat junior year. That's true. Not anybody, anyway. else. not Andrea or Brandon. But anyway. Yeah, okay. Not to really continue the age story, but this is where the next time we see them, they're on the beach. And Tom mentions he was a supervisor on the Alaska pipeline. So I'm literally sitting here thinking, like, how many years of job experience did you have to get to be supervisor? Like, right? what's happening? But then he says he got fired for his temper. And all I could think of was that 90210 really likes to say that people who work in construction have anger problems.
0: Ugh, I know, right? Like, I- also I don't love the idea that every kind of like change in situation happens because of such a negative thing like personal problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like with Ray and now with with Tom too. I would have been totally fine if he said I got laid off because we had too many men or we finished the pipeline. Yeah, like literally anything like I got hurt you know like I I don't know my mom got sick like anything but the temper thing because now that it's been said it's all I can think about and especially with this like suspicious behavior that we've seen thus far I'm like ooh, Tom seems like a shady character exactly and yeah then
2: they have this small moment where they run into Kelly and Mark on the beach because kelly and mark are on their way to a party for their storyline and it's like a five second interaction but tom Mm -hmm. calls mark stiff and says that kelly seems nice at which point val says like you know i don't remember the exact words but it's like that's the thing about la looks are deceiving
0: for sure and he's not wrong (laughs) kelly is just not nice to val (laughs) it just it's so funny It really is. I do love also, though, like how accepting this group can be because we don't even see or hear from Val and Tom until the very like near nearing the the, it's not really the end. I guess it's like two thirds of the way in. Um, And. I don't even remember why he says this, but like Tom and, and Val and folks are at the Peach Pit and he's just like talking about how everybody's like family. Mm -hmm. and i don't even remember what his purpose was there why did i write that down i don't think it had anything to do with anything (laughs) (laughs) i
2: think it was just a like dinner or something that val brought tom to to introduce him to everyone but that scene is really not even about them there is a little bit of like toxic masculinity in here where tom was like well when she first said she had two male roommates
0: i was really concerned but you guys are like family that's what it was that's what it was yeah, I guess context is important. <laughs> Who would have thought?
2: Yeah, because, like, I did a lot of reactions at the end of scenes, and at this one, that plus, like, that scene is really about Steve and Claire. I was just mm-hmm. like, this is just a bunch of, like, toxicity, and, like, it. I need a palate cleanser after. It was making me uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. No, that makes and, sense.
2: And, you know, it it's cute for about 30 seconds, I guess. I don't remember the timestamps. But we find out that Tom's ominous VHS video is their prom video. And they get to like reminisce about their teenage years. And Val is like, oh my God, look at my hair. Which I was like, you look like Kelly
0: Kapowski.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was so curious if they filmed this separately or like actually took it from, you know, something like when she was joining the show. If they were like, hey, before you do this, like, let's go ahead and just like, shoot some stuff with you in your longer hair and then like i feel like at this point because tom was in it they probably went and bought a wig but it like it looks identical to her yeah Kapowski
0: hair oh and made me miss her long hair like i know why they did it like they clearly had to make a delineation between kelly kapowski and valerie malone but she had great hair
2: <laughs> well and i feel like her demeanor in the video is much more kelly kapowski too like Val has a different smile than Kelly Kapowski has.
0: 100%. Yeah, same like giggles and like mannerisms and things like that. And um, what killed me is that Tom says that he put music over the VHS. I was like, first of all, I would love to know how. (laughs) Like, what technology were you using? I just, I'm really curious. And number two, Why? You know, know, I I guess, I guess because like, like while they're talking about things that they did together back in the day, it makes it seem like because all of a sudden Val sees her dad in the video that maybe there was conversation, maybe her dad's voice was in it or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he did it to cover up the conversation because as we find out, like he knows, he knew her dad, he knows situations, like all that stuff. But still, you know, it's not really touched on why he did that. Yeah. And then
2: when her dad does show up and she like, you know, gets visibly shaken by this, like she gets up, she crawls closer to the TV, she reminisces, she has like the flashbacks to her dream. Mm-hmm. And I think he makes the comment. He's like, oh, I forgot he was in this.
0: and But that seemed genuine.
2: But then I know? guess... I agree. I I think it seemed genuine. I guess my question is, like, if he knows how to manipulate VHS tapes by putting music over them, why wouldn't he just, like, cut it? Like, at that point, cut to literally just recording whatever's on TV at the time. Sure. Like, it would be jarring, but then you could be like, what's more jarring, switching to Sunday Night Football or seeing your dad? True. Ugh. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was... An interesting way to bring up this whole like, you're the only person that knows what, like, the truth about him. It was just like very interesting that he was so excited to show her this video and seems to know her so personally and was like, oh, I forgot he's in this.
0: No, that's a good point. That's a good point. If he's supposedly like her, quote unquote, first and they used to go tubing in Niagara and skinny dipping and mm-hmm. like they broke up, like Val broke up with him and like. He even says, like, oh, I just thought I wasn't good enough for you. Like, if there's this, like, deep connection, that's an excellent point. Like, he should have known or should have realized what that would have done to her. So it almost, yeah, kind of continues along with this shady character vibe where it's like, no, no. I bet Val was still manipulative back then, just maybe not what she is now. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he is, too.
2: Yeah, it was just very weird and then like yeah he gets real physically close to her afterwards which I feel like can be taken either as like protecting her and like being close to her and hugging her or like too close when she's having an emotional reaction I couldn't gauge Mm -hmm. which one I thought it was gonna be yeah me either I just I don't know I think in my head I want to like Tom because I want Val to have somebody who's not you know ginger or who's not (laughs) gonna like hate her like Kelly But then at the same time, I know what show I'm watching and I'm like, he's dangerous. He's from Buffalo. (laughs) Don't
0: trust him. See, we are on David's side. (laughs) I can't help it. It just happened. (laughs) Yeah. And then to make things worse, like Val wants Tom to just work at the P pad, you know, no, no questions asked. And David's like, I don't even know. Yeah, he's like clearly hesitant about it. And she's like, I'll pay him out of my own salary. Girl, how much you paying yourself? Right. I just wanted to be like, I'm sorry. Is this why your club
2: is failing? Right. Like, ma'am, I know you're not an accountant and you hired a really (laughs) shady one through no fault of your own. Came highly recommended. But like, I feel like even Jim Walsh should be like, fax me your books. (laughs) I feel like he needs to step in at this point he really does she needs help (laughs) yeah I think it's interesting that she wants him to manage the club and she wants him to stick around like that's clearly what's happening here I kind of hope next episode we get like another interview moment where it's David interviewing Tom
0: I would love that they're just like sitting at one of the tables maybe the high top table or something like that and like Tom just keeps drinking a glass of water and not answering the questions. (laughs)
2: Okay. Yes, I want that. And I want him not answering the questions and David being like, tell me about a time that you had to really, you know, show your leadership skills or like, tell me about a time that somebody didn't understand something and you had to explain it to them, like real behavioral questions and he's Mm -hmm. just not responding. And Val is like, oh my God, he's doing so good, isn't
0: he? (laughs) Just... Just ends up being a staring contest by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, and she's just like, you're hired. Yeah, exactly. It. This is great. It's going to go so well. She Da-na-na-na. puts her hands on, like, both of their shoulders.
2: <laughs> I want it. I want it so much. And, yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, Tom, realistically, is going to stick around for at least a hot minute. hmm I mean... This has to be the next, like, big story, right, is what happened with Val and her dad. And Tom's going to be the one that brings it all to light. Man, I sure hope so. Honestly, same. I feel like we've been tiptoeing around things about Val's dad for at Mm -hmm. least this season, if not, like, you know, going back into last
0: season. So, yeah. Well, and it's an interesting story for Val, whereas I think... The Kenny, obviously, everybody knows our feelings about the Kenny Bannerman stuff. So, I like, I'm looking forward to exploring this more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But until
2: then, Mary, what else happened this week?
1: Donna is super nervous about having to get a job after college, but she's excited to answer the phones at Dr. Dad's office while his receptionist is out. While Donna's approach to the job conflicts with Dr. Dad's preferences, in the end, he's glad she was there and confident wherever Donna decides to work after school, they'll be happy to have her.
2: Okay. I'm going to be an old person for about five seconds and then I'll stop. Donna is less than one semester from graduating and she doesn't know what she wants to do with the rest of her life and she has no work experience and I'm very stressed for her. She should be
0: nervous agreed and i think we're skipping not us but this show is skipping over the fact that like she was trying to volunteer with that family you know like do the things like the building the houses or or whatever it was what was she doing well i mean she's talking
2: about yeah she's done a lot of like philanthropic work and like you know helping people out like when she did the rose court and she worked the one day for the rose the convenience Queen. store
0: yeah yeah and like she clearly has like you said a philanthropic heart she was the something chair at the alpha house or whatever it's like i i think they're glossing over the fact that donna has marketable skills and she's already proven them so why why are we making her scared and feeling like she's flailing when she clearly has a passion and skill set for stuff
1: yeah all i can think about is her working literally working with like a contract and everything with david on music videos yeah like like you got paid to do that donna you you did work Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like Donna's like, well, that was just fun.
0: Sure. That's a good point. Her personality is what's getting in the way.
2: (laughs) Well, and like at the end of that, she was like, I don't want another contract. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. That was temporary. Mm -hmm. And now this is getting to a career. But Donna only does things for like a semester or a day or, you know, something like that. And so it does make me nervous for her and it bothers me that when she goes to talk to her dad about it, he's just like, I'm sorry, I don't have time. I have to go to the office. And then, I don't know. It just, it worries me that we've suddenly gotten to January of senior year and like, they're just like, oh, we forgot to give them plans of things to
0: do. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. That was more a projection of the writer's room that was like, crap, we got to figure out what to do with Dawn after college. <laughs> Because I
2: swear they had a dartboard of like, keeps going to school, gets a job, starts their own thing, goes to work for dad, and then just threw darts. And they're like, Kelly still goes to school. Brandon still goes to school. Donna goes to work for her dad. Make it work. We're going to kill this
0: character off. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Don't renew this contract. Right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm so prepared for so many characters to leave the show. Because I know who's coming on the show at some point. Now, y'all know I don't remember anything. So I don't know when they're coming on. I just know they are coming on. So we got to get rid of some people. (laughs) Yeah. I
2: Also, when Dr. Dad shows up and Donna gives him the book for Felice and she's like, oh, yeah, I was giving this to you. And then I wanted to talk to you. I was like, why aren't you giving it to Felice? Like, why aren't you going Mm -hmm. to your parents' house to give Felice the book and also talk to your dad? feel like they're they're carrying it over that donna's not over what her mom did and nor should she be no not even a little bit but it doesn't matter because dr dad is super busy and needs donna to come be his receptionist for the day
0: and of course she's so delighted to do it because angel okay i thought she was doing a great job my next notes yeah. when we get to the
2: doctor's office is like Donna is receptionisting. She is taking <laughs> messages. She is talking to patients. She is, you know, switching phone lines like there's no tomorrow. And then Dr. Martin is like, just take the messages, don't talk to the patients. I was
0: like, and and like I understand, but especially with a demographic that is more prone to heart problems cuz Dr. Dad's a heart surgeon, like Typically, that's older people, and older people like to talk about what's going on, what ails them, and then oftentimes they need to talk about other things like cats, which is fine. <laughs> and then maybe
2: you know that there's an allergy in the house. like Exactly what Donna finds out, I think the thing is, like, Dr. Dad is too busy to realize that this is exactly what he needs. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the whole story, right? Like, he doesn't have time to talk to his patients, so he just, like, you know, fills out a little scantron in his head of here are your symptoms you know WebMD in my head says you need this and then move on but donna's the one being like oh well and have you started smoking again like let's fill out your questionnaire let's talk to you
0: well yeah and clearly the previous receptionist who is sick or or what have you does that as well it just Mm -hmm. seems more legitimate and maybe dr dad doesn't see her doing it because she's been doing it for x number of years or You know, she's like the full-time receptionist, so whatever. He probably just trusts her more than his 22-year-old daughter, who is this is her only day on the job. Which, also,
2: if you have patients that call and she picks up and is like, Donna Martin for Dr. Martin's office, and they're like, oh my gosh, are you Donna Martin, his daughter, and she says yes, they're gonna talk. Exactly. There's so many questions there. And... Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is another thing of, like, Donna has a very philanthropic mind. Like, she wants to talk to people. She wants to get to know you. Like,
0: this girl has a career in her. She just can't find it. Exactly. I mean, even, like, later on when Dr. Dad is clearly stressed out and is, like, wanting Donna to take the prescriptions to fax them to the pharmacist, you know, what have you. First of all, why are you waiting till the end of the day to do this is beyond me, but yeah. I don't know how things used to work with faxing and that sort of thing. And she kind of just wants to talk about some of the patients, like some of the the conversations that she had been having all day, but he's like so pushing her off. Like, can you just take the prescriptions down? Can you just, you know, take them to the billing person? And I think what annoys me here is same sort of thing that I believe happened, can't remember when, but... David just calls during the day while Donna's working, clearly, and Donna accepts the call. David is learning too much from Mark. He's oh like, I can God. just call whenever. I can just do whatever I want. Everyone else needs to use the phone, be damned. Well, and I appreciate that Donna, like, says, like, it's a nightmare. I can't really talk. I'll call you later. But, like, mm-hmm. the fact that she took the call in the first place, like, I always tell Nate, because, like, sometimes I'll call him, and he... If I'm calling him, he feels like he has to answer. And I'm like, if you can't answer, don't. Because then he'll answer. And I start talking because I'm like, I assume if you answer the phone, then we can talk for a minute. Start telling him a story. And he's like, hey, yeah, well, I got, I really got to go. I'm on a call. I'm like, you're on a call? Just don't <laughs> answer the phone. I'll talk to you when I get home. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, don't call. like. I feel like you need to set a precedent if you're going to have a nine to five job where like you're busy like this. Mm-hmm. No phone calls. If it's an emergency, I pick up the phone. That's why I will always pick up the phone when my mom calls. And then she's just like, oh, hey, how are you? And I'm like, it is 2.30 on a Monday. Yeah.
0: Mom. Oh, it's just so funny. Um, so funny. And, and, you know, what. This is another classic Donna storyline where she feels like she has to apologize for something that she didn't do wrong at. She just thinks she did. And so she goes to apologize to Dr. Dad for not doing a good job. She says she's making it harder on him to do his job. And, like, they kind of joke about, and I didn't write her name. I think it was Miss Coastley or Coatsley or something like that. They kind of joke about her a little bit. But this is when... Key information happens because Donna talked to her. Is like she finds out, or Dr. Dad finds out that she still smokes cigarettes. She didn't just quit, she got back on it. And she has a cat allergy and all the stuff. And the beta blockers that he prescribed her would kill her literally. Yeah. And they do a whole like stressful moment where Donna
2: has to get her on the phone. And Dr. Barton calls the pharmacy to make sure that she hasn't picked up the pills yet. But he finds out she picks up the pills. Like, three or four rings before Donna gets her on the phone and he's sitting there like, Oh my God, I think I just killed a patient. But luckily Donna gets her on the phone. He, you know, gets everything worked out and it's, it's basically a whole like reassurance, very Donna story that she didn't actually do anything wrong. She's just doing things her Donna way. And she's such an angel on earth that there is no wrong Donna way.
0: Yeah. I just really hate that she has to feel like go through that kind of roller coaster of emotions of feeling like she messed up when really she did like she was initially feeling really confident that she was doing a good job. Then she has to feel like she's doing a bad job because her dad was mad and then she gets the validation of not being wrong but still has to deal with the fact that like she was already up here than down here. And I just want I don't want anything to hurt Donna's confidence because I feel like she is a confident person. And she's so nice. I don't want the world or other people to like tarnish that as I don't know what that sounds. It just, I feel like eventually it's going to be taken for granted. Like her resiliency is going to be taken for granted.
2: Well, and I, I think that's why I'm so nervous for her of not thinking that she has any direction in life because yeah, that same thing. I feel like, you know, we've seen her do things and we've seen her like, cross things off the list of like okay well i'm not good at working here i had fun making the music videos but i don't want to do that anymore and like her feeling this anxiety about not knowing what she wants to do just like i am worried for you and i want that like i want that to be better (sighs) but like donna is a caring person she needs to be in some sort of like care role in a if that could be, you know, a million different jobs. So I don't know what it is, but like after work, Dr. Dad drives her over to David's house where David is giving her a massage. And he's like, oh my God, you're so tense. And she spends this whole scene being like really worried about her dad and all the stress he's under.
0: Like- and I feel like as a heart surgeon, you have to know that. Like, cause not only is stress like bad for you mentally, what physically for your heart (laughs) honestly knowing he's a heart
2: surgeon and that he's under stress and donna was worried about him i was like oh my god what are they gonna do to him
0: right it's such a precautionary tale or cautionary tale (laughs) one of the two um yeah (laughs) i think technically cautionary tale (laughs) of like irony here of Dr. Dad's a heart surgeon whose heart might go into failure because he's so stressed out and doesn't take his own advice. Yeah. But thankfully he takes down this advice and
2: the next morning we find out he's at the club. He's got a tennis lesson or a tennis game and he's like, yeah, I called my partners last night after we talked and I told them I had to cut back my hours. Thank you, Donna. Good
0: good for him for like taking his daughter's advice so a literally and b so quickly (laughs) like that turnaround was was fast (laughs)
2: i was shocked that he was just like yeah i just took the day off i was like i can't even do that right
0: i'm an accountant not a heart surgeon (laughs) what if your patient had like a triple bypass the next day yeah shouldn't
2: you be calling mrs coatsley and checking on her again seriously Like, just making sure that you didn't forget what I said and you're not taking your medicine. (laughs) I don't know. It was, yeah, just a very uh, Donna storyline. It was like epitome Donna. Mm Mm-hmm. Which almost makes me think they just didn't know what to do with her this week. So they were like, just give her a storyline where she goes off by
0: herself and saves someone's life. I don't know agree i mean they, they like they just made dr dad the deer this week <laughs> oh my god i would have loved if the
2: pharmacist was the same actor as cliff
0: oh my god and they met and had a meet cute and then he had to go move to like zimbabwe i don't know <laughs> i got a great job pharmacying in maine <laughs> What is with all my boyfriend or potential boyfriends going to upstate New England? <laughs> it's it's just
2: that no eligible men will be left in LA except David. Seriously, then we have no choice. <laughs> That's not fair. I'm I'm okay with them right now. I'm just being me too extra. Anyway, Mary, what else happened this week?
1: It's the CU job fair. And Claire gets Steve an interview with Tasco Sportswear, something he'll be perfect for since he's so skilled and athletic and sexy and sweaty, but it's fine, he'll shower. What's not fine is the interviewer, Dana, propositions Steve for some inappropriate one-on-one time if he wants the job. What's also not fine is that Claire doesn't believe Steve when he tells her what happened and instead blames him for being the Steve we honestly all kind of expected him to be. Luckily, Steve finds a way to show Claire and Dana's supervisor that he's telling the truth.
0: So this was a storyline that I hated, but also am okay without how it turned out, you know, right? I
2: like talking about a roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how I feel about this because I was like, Yeah, I don't hate it,
0: but, like, do I hate it? Like, the situation sucks, but I am finally happy that they gave Steve some positivity. You know, like, they didn't make him fall into old traps. They made us seem like he was going to fall into old traps, but they didn't. The only thing I didn't like, A, sexual harassment, didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And then B, I didn't like that Claire was so staunchly not yeah. giving him the benefit of the doubt. I know he hasn't really earned it, but like to, she's kind of been the only one that has, even just a glimmer. And especially with a heavy topic like sexual harassment, I think Claire as a character would have been a little bit more empathetic because of the topic like if it was something else no absolutely not but i don't know it just felt a little too far the other side just my opinion yeah that
2: one is really hard because like he rarely does anything to prove he deserves like anything i mean so like in this season alone you know we've seen him kiss another girl then cheat off of brandon then the only reason that he doesn't get in trouble for cheating is because he just gets away with it from essentially nepotism. But Brandon has to go to court. And the only reason Brandon gets away with it is because there was a personal vendetta, not because Steve wasn't cheating. Sure. Like, I don't know. There's just not a lot that Steve has done this season to prove that he is trustworthy, but it does suck that the one person who has pretty consistently believed him and been on his side and read the student bylaws that he could go interrupt a courtroom doesn't believe him here
0: that's kind of what i mean like because then it also makes me feel like claire's just got one foot out the door like she's very ready to assume the worst because she's been burned a few times now that she's just kind of waiting for him to screw up so she can have an easy out well their relationship i
2: don't know if it's just this time around or I'm like putting anything on it it's really weird to me because like this story opens he's doing pull-ups on the beach which it looked like he was really doing pull-ups like I couldn't see his feet on a box like noticeably because his knees were going up and down and so I was like okay is Ian's earring just showing off that he can do pull-ups like what's happening here why is this here it's the
0: 90210's version of the salmon ladder (laughs) my God. I would love to see Steve on a salmon ladder. I would love it. Just have him and Stephen Amell and Katie Lott's just side by side salmon ladders. Just do it. I want it. I need it. And what's his face who played um, Adrian Chase? Like just side by side by side. I just had this vision of all of them doing the salmon ladder and
2: Jason Priestley not being able to reach his. Oh, <laughs> like somehow Katie Lottz does, but Jason Priestley can't. Yeah, She's just got like the ups. So she clears it and he's
0: just like, uh, I can't. <laughs> oh, my so God, so mean with his gigantic shorts. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs>
2: I love him so much.
0: But you know, Steve is doing pull
2: ups and Claire comes up behind him on the beach and apparently she set this interview up for him, which it's so unbelievable. Like, if I sent John to go get me an interview with somebody,
0: I feel like they'd be like, wait, why? Yeah. Like, is she his mommy now? Like, what? I mean, I know she is mommy. But, like, <laughs> but like that doesn't, how, who, no. Right?
2: <laughs> Seriously. Like, there is a difference between, like, talking to a recruiter that, you know, and like referring someone to literally coming up and being like, "Oh my god, my boyfriend loves sportswear. You should talk to him." Like,
0: that's weird to me. You I don't should know. see his collection of tiny tank tops. You should hire him as a marketing person, or whatever they're trying to like hire him
1: for.
2: Yeah, I definitely. I may have wrote down what they were hiring him for, but I got distracted. <laughs> just because of everything that happens
0: well yeah because of the pull-ups obviously like we all know I, I iron iron can get it so <laughs> oh my god it was
2: and then when like she was like oh my god you're sweaty and then he just like takes her down to the ground i was like stuff
0: it it was so graceful like how many times did they have to do that also was that improvised i need to know yeah this group really
2: loves just like going to the ground Maybe, maybe Jason Priestley came up with it on the day and was like, just Ugh. take her down. <laughs> just take her down. <laughs> I mean, he did it. Wait, no, that, that was, was Dylan that did it. Oh, with, with the blades? Yeah. yeah. But like, th- there's the precedent here of like, find the girl you like, knock her to the ground, make out with her. <laughs> gracefully, gracefully knock her to the ground. Yeah, don't hurt her. <laughs> but just like ground just go
0: <laughs> but yeah yeah. so I will say you can tell Steve is actually trying to be like new and improved Steve you know because mm-hmm. like he shows up to this interview he's like got his like freshly pressed suit he's listening to Claire's advice and not being like yeah, yeah 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 trust me I've got this mm-hmm. like he does make a comment About, like, the fact that he, like, knows he needs to, like, kiss some ass, basically. Which Mm -hmm. he is good at that. He is very good at schmoozing. Mm -hmm. But he genuinely, like, listens to Claire saying things like, make sure you have an open mind. You know, don't be afraid to take the initiative. Like, things like that. Instead of just assuming he knows everything. Which is a nice new and improved Steve. Like, I was appreciative of that.
2: Yeah, no, I literally wrote in my notes, I was like, I do like this look on Steve, I hope it keeps it up, Mm -hmm. and then, like, the guy from the sportswear place is like, oh, I'd love to talk to you, but, like, that's, you know, you got to talk to the HR recruiter person first, then you can talk to me, but you can also tell me where the gym is, and Steve is like, oh, yeah, Claire, take him to the
0: gym, it's on your way. Here, and he even says, like, let me take the initiative, like, I know, (laughs) That felt very cute, like Steve doesn't actually know what the word initiative means, but he just thinks he should use it in a sentence. (laughs) It's
2: written on his hand. It's like, take the initiative. And he's like,
0: I'm going to take the initiative. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Unfortunately, though, that leaves him alone with his interviewer, Dana, who pretty immediately plays the predator role. Like, she is
0: aggressive. Ugh. It, oh, mm. i just also, i was so uncomfortable this whole time like because this scene blending into like er, like the next scene with them actually having the interview i was oh so cringy
2: i hate it and then they say that like tasco's model motto is get yours what is that have what? anything to do with sportswear like, they they definitely wanted a Nike just do it, but <laughs> yeah. not and also sexual still. Ugh. But yeah, so this is the scene, you know, she's coming on to him like pretty aggressively, but then finally comes out and says like, you know, not in so many words. She's like, oh, if you, you know, spend the night with me because I'm going to have a really boring night here by myself in a city I don't know. You know, you'll get the job. So sleep with me and you'll get the job. And it is a very, like, okay, Steve's got the right thing of not doing it, where mm-hmm. he's got the easy thing of doing it and getting the job. Right. Also, this is very illegal. And Steve never says he has a girlfriend. And that just bothered me.
0: Well, and I could totally understand Steve just not like being shocked, right? Like, you can tell he does like a nervous chuckle because like he's picking up what she's putting down. But I could totally understand him not knowing what to do. I mean, we all know Steve is, like, smooth. But I don't think he's really been confronted with this sort of, like, forwardness before. And also this whole thing of, like, if you don't do this, then you don't get the job. You know? And so, God, I don't know. It just... It was awful. It's harassment. It's illegal. It's... I don't know if the right word... What it's, It's, um... What's the right word? It's like the thing of when you're trying to get somebody to do something and if they don't then something bad happens. Is that extortion or blackmail?
1: I think it's extortion. It's blackmail if you like put it in writing something- and be like I'm going to tell everyone X if you don't give me money.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so extortion is like the act and blackmail is like the evidence. I
1: I think yeah. blackmail is the threat, or well, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what the difference is. I've never thought about it.
1: Is blackmail just extortion in writing? Well, it maybe okay. the same <laughs> thing of like
0: slander and libel, where like slanders if you say it, libels if you write it.
1: Yeah, because I I'm feel like, like people
2: it. say. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people say blackmail when like you've been the one doing something wrong, mm-hmm. and they're like you. Cheated on this paper, and if you don't tell me, or, or like, like what Ginger did to Val, that's blackmail. Yes. She's like, I have evidence yes. that you did what you did, and I'm going to tell everyone about it. Yeah, and then extortion would be like,
1: maybe you I found you a like thing.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, blackmail occurs when one person threatens to reveal private information about someone else unless he receives compensation to remain silent. Extortion occurs when a person threatens to physically harm or injure another unless the extortioner receives compensation.
0: Mm, So extortion is basically like assault, like a threat threat of assault. A threat of physical
1: violence versus a pay me and I won't ruin you.
0: Right, right, right. Okay. So it's neither of these things. (laughs) But But it's a power play.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a power play. And I feel like if I had to put either of them to this, I would say this is more extortion of like, you're gonna give me a sexual act mm. or I'm not gonna give you this job. Like yeah. it's it's a very uncomfortable whatever it yeah. is. It's illegal. It's uh yeah, it's I don't I don't know the word for it, but Side it's note. not the way you do business.
0: No, it's not. It certainly <laughs> is not. Side note, did you guys think that this scene was entirely 80 yard
2: it sounded weird and I kept listening to the like outside
0: noises of mm-hmm. the people passing to try and figure it out well and I was like watching because once I got an inkling I was like this sounds a little manufactured I was like trying to pay attention to like the way your mouth moves when you speak And trying to like think if I had to see myself saying something, if I could match my tone or volume or pitch, could I do it? And obviously, it's probably a difficult thing. But I was just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of wind that day. So it's very possible they could have just ADR'd this. Yeah. I had the same thought that it could possibly be ADR'd.
2: So in that scene, we don't actually see Steve's response. Mm-hmm. but we cut ahead to the peach pit later and it's that same dinner where Tom is like meeting the friend group and he makes a comment about how Val's roommates are her family and Steve is there but then Claire comes in and he's like oh I gotta go deal with this so he goes over to Claire and tells her the interview didn't go well and she's like oh you messed it up which yeah very aggressive way for Claire to start this conversation and not have any faith in him that he's even trying and I think yeah
0: like It was the the way it was written, perhaps to to just automatically have Claire assume that he blew it and that this is his excuse for blowing it. Like, because I don't know, maybe I'm just like thinking too much of Claire, but if I'm Claire, I would actually accept what Steve was saying, but then be like, well, what what did you say? (laughs) you know like i would be more hanging on to the fact that this woman propositioned him and he has cheated on her in the past more so than if he got the interview or not or like you know got the job i don't i don't know it just seemed like like you said very aggressive and very just immediate negativity and just immediate assumption that steve just failed yeah and i really like your
2: idea of like the first thing she would have said would have been like oh what did you say and then I think once he's like I told her no because that's not the way I want to do things and because of you and etc 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 then I would have loved if she was like well we have to do something about this like correct she can't be allowed to do this
0: exactly because in Claire's brain it it's the bylaws it's the logic it's the almost like philosophy of it all it's like right mm-hmm. and wrong like we very much see Claire as this like logical right versus wrong kind of person except when it comes to steve and matters of the heart obviously so that's mm-hmm. why i'm like yeah she would jump to like did you cheat on me again okay you didn't let's go investigate this because this is clearly wrong i just i i just didn't believe it you know yeah
2: because instead she tells him he's lying when he says that dana came on to him And that it's sick that this is what he's lying about. Mm -hmm. And then they start raising their voices at each other. And she's like, you're screwing up again, as usual. And he tells her to shut up. And Oh, yeah.
0: That was bad. Yeah. I was not feeling it. No, there was bad. I did not like. And again, that's not how they talk to each other. Yeah.
2: Like. Steve has made comments of, like, oh, my God, Claire's going to kill me if I'm not in the Alamo and she goes to surprise me. Yeah. You know. But he cares about her. I don't. He definitely said this out of anger and so did she. But, like, at the same time, it did not feel genuine for the two of them. That's
0: why I'm, like, confident that they're going to, like, they're just working towards breaking them up for good. Yeah.
2: But we have to cut ahead to the next day. We're like very clearly, you know, Steve has said he's going to figure out a way to prove that what happened happened. And, you know, long story short, he goes up to this woman basically is like, I've rethought what you said to me yesterday. I reserved us a table at the condor's nest, which is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. And they go to this very public table where her boss and Claire are very clearly sitting behind them. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, your final interview is going to be in my hotel room. And there might be an oral portion. Oh. Like,
0: ma'am, this is a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. This is a Wendy's. Like, <laughs> I just. She was bold, so bold. Like, good lord. And also, like, the writers, hey, trying to. <laughs> Trying to insinuate some things here.
2: <laughs> that like, yeah. Literally the only other thing she could have done was like there's gonna be an oral portion and then just like suck on a straw.
0: Right? Or like a lollipop, somehow she gets a lollipop. I don't know. <laughs> she, like she just pulls it out of her pocket. <laughs> yeah. I always
2: keep this for when I'm seducing an in
0: interviewees. Oh my god. Yeah. And like it was so funny. It reminded me of like a Mary Kate and Ashley like spy movie that they used to do. Because <laughs> Claire and Cosby no Conway 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 are all dressed in black and they just turn around like not today like I expected a catchphrase (laughs) (laughs) I
2: love that like it just resolves itself so fast like Conway is like Steve I'm so sorry this happened to you this is not how we do business I hope you'll still consider us in the future Dana we need to talk (laughs) yeah It just wrapped up in such a neat little bow. It was so much. I know, like, I mean, it's it's an episodic show, so like that's how it had to happen. Of course. So funny to me that it was just like five seconds. Prove myself right. And thus, and then, the seduction of Steve. (laughs) Yeah, because what does Claire say? She's like, I can't. I should have believed you because you're so irresistible, or something. Yeah. Yeah, There's which like, is like that's not why you should have believed him, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was not as romantic as you wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, that's not the lesson we should learn here. Like so weird.
2: <laughs> so so weird. And then yeah, now my question is like Steve's not really going to like consider them again, is he? Cuz I hope not. He, he shouldn't. Yeah. Like, y'all need to implement a sexual harassment policy. Ugh. And then there is one storyline left. I'm excited to talk about this one.
1: Brandon applies for the Dryer Fellowship grant, but uh uh-oh, so does Mark. With Mark's family connections, it seems like he's in a much better position to get the grant, so he goes along with it when Kelly asks him to level out the playing field just a little bit. But when Brandon receives the grant, because of course Brandon receives the grant, Mark blames it all on Kelly. She says, no thanks, I don't want any of that, we're done. And he's like, you could have been a Reese. And she's like, even nowhere thanks, bye Mark.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My
0: God, what a way to write Mark out of this show. I just... I cannot wait until we get to this last scene because it was juicy and I loved every bit of it. So, but yeah, like, man, nice knowing you, Mark.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we just got to get into it because like it, if we thought the other scenes were aggressive, this is just like, I don't I don't have words for it. Like, (laughs) you know, Brandon and Tracy are working on a news segment for the job fair which I really kind of loved that it was like the 25th annual job fair cuz I don't think any school I went to like called it the blah 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 annual job fair. I think they were just like it's the fall job fair. You have to go to it.
0: Yeah, I think same. Like it was just just the job fair.
2: Yeah, but they make a big deal out of it. They put in a new segment. You know, maybe this was newer at this point and was more of a big deal cuz I feel like they just mm-hmm. had these you know, every semester at my schools. Yeah. Um, But they run into Kelly who doesn't, she's like, no, I shouldn't go on camera because, you know, assuming I graduate, I'm going to go get my master. So I'm not interviewing for jobs right now. And that's when we find out that, you know, Tracy's not interviewing for jobs because she's still a junior and Brandon is not interviewing for jobs because he's working on something.
0: And the secrecy was, like, a little interesting. I thought it was going to be the Rhodes Scholarship that he told, um, gosh, I can't Melanie? That sounds right. That sounds right. Um, You know, a few episodes ago. And it's not that far off, because then he, like, finally admits that he's applied for that really, really prestigious Dreyer Fellowship. I've never heard of that, so I'd assume it's real. It just made me think of like a, a clothes
2: dryer. So yes. every time they said it, I was like, that's, it's a hair dryer. It's a clothes dryer. What are you talking
0: about? 100%. 100%. But what's so weird about this was like Kelly's reaction. And I was like, what, I, I don't, what, like, what are you reacting to? And at first I didn't know what to think. Like, I was just like, almost like she's not proud of Brandon or she doesn't, I don't know it was just or like didn't want him to do it or something I don't know it was just it was very confusing until we learn the real
2: reason so I definitely did write in my notes I was like I bet Mark is applying too, based on the music and her reaction Mm. but then Tracy says she thinks Kelly is acting weird because Tracy knew something that Kelly didn't about Brandon and I was like ooh, that's kind of fair too
0: yeah exactly exactly
2: Because I could also see it, you know, I don't know how they would have built a story out for this, but of Kelly, like, realizing that she's not Brandon's closest confidant anymore and just Mm -hmm. being like, oh, my God, I have to, like, end things with Mark and, like, really try and go for Brandon because this hurts, you know, something like that. But what I find interesting, because they're very clearly writing Mark out in this point, he's getting real uh, snobby, I guess, Mm -hmm. like, real uppity is she goes to see him and tell him, and he's like, oh yeah, I already knew. My dad's a dryer man. He told me everything.
0: Like, it's the entitlement that we've heard, honestly, yes. since the very first time we met Mark, because of the house that he's in, right? And the fact that David is is living there and whatnot. But like, yeah, this just took it really over the edge because he basically has a shoe-in for this award too, or fellowship.
2: Yeah. He's got that nepotism angle going on. Mm -hmm. And like my head just started spinning here because then Kelly gets mad at him that he knew that Brandon was doing the fellowship, but didn't tell her that Brandon was doing the fellowship and didn't tell Brandon that he was doing the fellowship. And now that Kelly knows that Brandon is doing the fellowship, he's not like it was a very friends. They don't know that we know that they
0: know that we know moment. Totally. And like all in this, all in the name of like leveling the playing field, I was like, why does this matter? No, I don't get it. And then Mark,
2: Kelly says that she didn't tell Brandon about the fellowship. And Mark thanks her for her loyalty. But he says it in
0: like a sarcastic way because obviously he's been sensitive to their history. Yeah. No, it is a like they're just so like
2: snippy with each other because you can also see it in her face. She was like, excuse me. Mm-hmm. My loyalty? <laughs> but you know, I guess in order to appease Kelly later that day, Brandon and Tracy get invited to a a soiree for the job fair attendees that Mark's dad's company is throwing.
0: Like, what is is that?
2: (laughs) I don't – this is, like, the most prestigious job fair when they're throwing parties. Like, this is, like – honestly, okay, this is, like, how Big Four woos Mm -hmm. you into, like, consulting and audit and stuff is, like, they'll put you up in the fancy hotel and take you Mm -hmm. out for a nice dinner and, like, make sure you see all of the glitz and glamour of being an auditor.
0: I mean, that is literally, I remember that actually happening with Nate, like when he was interviewing for KPMG, they like for the interview, put him up in, I don't know, the Westin or something in Atlanta and took him out to who knows where, but yeah, like a fancy steak dinner or something. And then like he had the next day, like he had the job or whatever. And it's like, was he always going to have the job or like, what are they trying to tell you here?
2: Yeah. No, that's exactly what happened to me is they put me up in the Ritz Carlton, which I remember because like it was just far enough that John could not walk to the Ritz Carlton in the time before I had to get to dinner because I was like, just come stay at the Ritz Carlton with me. Why not? I mean, yeah. But yeah, I guess that's very like what that's like, but I don't know. I feel like big four does that kind of stuff because they're about to horribly abuse you by making you work 80 hour a weeks. So mm-hmm. maybe I'm still jaded. I don't know. <laughs> they get, they get invited to a party after the job fair.
0: Yeah. And essentially like this is where Mark brings up the dryer award and that he's going for it too. We get a little bit more knowledge about like this. I keep saying award. It's a fellowship. Um, mm-hmm give a little bit more exposition about it like there's 12 people um like here at cu going for it and only two spots but also that's for the entire country so the likelihood of two people being picked from cu is very very small um Mm -hmm. and then mark kind of tells brandon that it's his meaning mark his own to lose in a manner of speaking and that he's not going to back down so it became like it was, like, friendly fire at first by the invitation. By the end of it, it's, like, kind of bucking up, you know?
2: Yeah, it was, like, hey, I just wanted to tell you, and, like, it's cool. There's a chance we could both get it, but, like, my dad's a dryer man. Yeah. I know the people on the dryer board, like, especially when they get to that party. Oh, he He is, like,
0: showing off. And even, like, the in-between, like, when he's all dressed up and picking up Kelly... Like he tells Kelly that he invited them to the thing tonight because he's like quote unquote trying to help, mm-hmm. and when Kelly says that's what friends do, he blows up on her and he's like, "Well, what is going to satisfy you? Do you want me to tell him the questions that they're going to ask?" And she's like, "Do you know the questions?" <laughs> like, like, it, Mark is very clearly like
2: showing how. He is from a different world than everybody mm-hmm. else, despite the fact that like Kelly does come from money. Like, yeah, it's it's different money. I think she's got like her parents have been in business and Mark seems to be like a legacy of like old money of some kind. Mm-hmm. But like it's very clear that like they're from different places and Mark is expecting a very specific thing from his friends and his girlfriend. And it's a lot because, yeah, he gets so
0: snippy with her. It just seemed to come out of nowhere, which obviously they've been building up this whole jealousy thing um, for a couple of episodes now. And so that's what I was kind of thinking in my head. Oh, they're trying to make him jealous of Brandon and the fact that now he has to compete with Brandon is a whole thing. But Kelly has like very clearly been on Mark's side this whole time up until the point where Brandon found out. Because once that happened, she's like, "Okay, well, hang on now. One of my oldest and dearest friends is applying for this, too. I think you have an unfair advantage and I want Brandon to have an equal advantage. That's like, maybe I'm just rationalizing this for Kelly, but in my mind, that's what she's trying to do. But she's been like pretty loyal to Mark up until this point.
2: It it seems like Kelly is ready to just have that casual relationship and like take things slow. So maybe not so casual, but like she's not ready to admit how casual she means it to be. And yeah. that she's like, maybe now she's really realizing his nepotism and like, yeah, where he comes from. And it's just like, Oh, this is, this is not the ride I want to be on. Yeah, exactly. Cause it has been very clear that she's been in love with Brandon. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying like, like loyal one way or another, but there are moments, you know, at Mark's birthday where she just got up from when he was doing presents to go talk to Brandon or like, Later, when Brandon gets the scholarship and she goes to his congratulations party instead of going out to physically find
0: Mark, like, Mm -hmm. you do see it. It's But it's not like she's, like, necessarily leading Mark on because she hasn't slept with him yet. Not that that's some sort of marker, but she's kind of been, like, upfront about this relationship not being serious, like you were saying. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying she should still lead him on if she's not really in the relationship, but Mm -hmm. I I think she's been at least not lying. No, but I think that's a good point. Like, she has told him that, you know, she's not ready to sleep with him.
2: Like, that's not the relationship that they're having right now, and I think, yeah, he's just been getting more and more fed up about it, and now this is, like, a thing. Mm Because, you know, he does say – I think a lot later on, I don't remember exactly when it is, that like if if Brandon doesn't get the Dryer scholarship, Brandon will get something else. If Mark mm-hmm. doesn't get the Dryer scholarship, that is going to taint him in his like family's eye for the rest of his life. Right, right. So it's just – it's two different people. Like Kelly wants her friend to get it who she thinks deserves it and Mark thinks he needs it and therefore he should get to have it.
0: Yes. It's very like Brandon versus Steve – just different, you know, like different personalities. Because, like, I feel yeah. like Steve would expect to get it or else family shame. Whereas, like you said, with Brandon, it's like, no, he probably actually deserves it and earned it. Yeah, exactly. And, like,
2: honestly, that seems like what everybody keeps saying. Like, we we cut to the party and Tracy is just like Brandon you have deserved this you are totally a shoe in for it you have worked so hard for your entire life your resume is amazing like Tracy's a hype woman <laughs>
0: yeah i like her i'm not ready uh, to like i'm still not over Susan but i like Tracy i just really like you know
2: sometimes her never ending optimism we've seen it be like a lot but at least it's consistent and like yeah i just i kind of think you know, Brandon does need this person like this in his corner because Mm -hmm. everyone always has never-ending optimism about him, but, like, Tracy's actually got that upbeat, like,
0: behavior to it, too. And I think, too, as compared to Kelly in this scenario, I do think Brandon has a tendency to feel like he has so many times before feel like he has to always save Kelly or be the one, like, to – take the lead in that relationship and things like that. Whereas with Tracy, they actually seem more like equals or peers, partners even. And maybe that's why this little relationship, although it's not really a relationship, that's why it seems so like free because there's mm-hmm. not really any expectations or, or no sort of like um, conflict of the mind or something when it comes to that person, they're just, they're friends who find each other attractive. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Kelly was pretending
2: to be Brandon's girlfriend when he was, uh, what was he doing at that point? Was he president or was he ready for president? It was the task force. It was the task force. How could I forget task force? She even brings up DC. Yeah, she does. You're right. Okay, so before we get to that, Do you think we're at the same location as when Susan won her award and gave her speech? Because it looked identical to me.
0: It also looked like one of the Rose Court gatherings, too. Oh.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a location that they scouted and have just been Mm -hmm. reusing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Brandon goes to find Kelly at the bar because he's getting a drink for Tracy. And... She's like, I should have known you were going for the dryer. You mentioned it when we were in D.C. You were like, there's so many dryer scholars here.
0: And I was it like, is- "Uh, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> but it is nice that they have that history. history, And that Kelly like knows his drive and stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm a Brelly fan. No. Yeah. <laughs> Brelly? Yeah, Brelly. Yeah, I guess I'm a Brelly stan. I don't know.
2: I... I think I will be a Brelli stan when it happens at the right time in the right place, but when they're both clearly with other people, I'm like, yeah, okay, oh, y'all yeah. gotta pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you there. Because I did – I don't remember what I said then, but I have rewritten it in my mind that I did love when Kelly showed up in D.C. for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. They show up for each other, except, mm-hmm. you know, the fire, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. That'll never come between them and their relationship ever again. It's totally fine. No, it'll never get brought up, never mentioned. It just is not a traumatic point in Kelly's life. Oh, Lord. Anywho, Mark.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So the next couple things with Mark. First he sees Brandon at the bar and calls him over to be like oh this is you know one of the board members I think his name is Craig or something he's like Craig who's also my godfather yeah
0: like okay brag just silver spoon mark just trying to like play the game of like hey I'm helping you out bud I think he literally like calls him bud later and Brandon says it back to him but like yeah just like hits him hard on the shoulder like Just trying to keep a level playing field, bud. And then moves on. Yeah, but he's totally... It's hilarious.
2: I just love when the guy leaves and Brandon's like, oh, thank you, Dr. Whatever. And Mark's like, see you later, Craig. Yeah. Like, brah, we all see what you're doing. Brandon is not stupid. He's going for the dryer scholarship.
0: (laughs) I mean, even later, like when they all like take a stroll down the beach, even though the interviews are next day or tomorrow and they need to get a good night's sleep. And Brandon repeatedly says, I don't want to hang out anymore. I need to go home and do my practice interviews. And he goes anyway. And because he's a, a good, humble like person, he's like, you know what, Mark, it's all good. If you get it and I don't like, No hard feelings. It's no big deal. And regardless, they're apparently going to find out tomorrow because they do the interviews and then just pick right away. That's fascinating to me. I know. But then I guess because Brandon said that, Mark gives him a little insight into the interview panel and says that that one guy likes to ask deserted island questions. And so now I'm thinking back to when Kelly was like, do you know the questions? I'm like, yeah, Mark knows the questions. And
2: see – I took that as Kelly put it in Mark's brain that other people are going to think he knows the question so he can steer Brandon in the wrong direction because I think I think he knew that wasn't going to be a desert island question. So like Brandon showed up ready to talk about like how much he loves, you know, I don't know, quantum theory Mm -hmm. and how he would take that on a desert island with him, him and his beethoven and a saxophone like i don't know right something
0: like that yeah no that's a good point i hadn't even thought about that and yeah it's a way for mark to come across as being nice but then actually sabotaging but clearly mark's not that smart he is not writer material writer (laughs) dryer material i
2: just can't with the dryer like i don't know why it's it's really just been throwing me off and maybe it's because like Our clothes dryer was just acting up. So I'm like, (laughs) I have a clothes dryer on the brain. What I also thought was kind of interesting in this scene is that Tracy and Kelly cannot talk about anything except Brandon. I know. Like, that bothered me. They talked that whole time. I was like,
0: didn't pass the Bechdel test. Not even for a split second. The only thing I liked about it was that Tracy was honest. And she's like, "Look, I got to be straight up with you. I don't really feel comfortable around you because of your history with Brandon." Like <laughs> cards and, on the table.
2: <laughs> and that's why Tracy and Val are friends. She's like, "I don't I can't talk to Kelly. I just yep. can't do it." Yeah. I wonder if she I I do love that they keep being like real meta about it where she was like, "I don't feel comfortable being around you because you're Brandon's ex." And Kelly's just like, "Yeah, in this group there's a lot of exes. We just like don't let it bother us."
0: yeah like you can't you're all Eskimo siblings at this point you you can't think about it too hard <laughs>
2: but that's really it and like there's there's another moment where Kelly gets mad at Mark for giving Brandon hope that he had a chance to win which like This one I have a problem with. Like, I don't think it's fair for Kelly to be like, you gave him hope when you actually don't think he has a chance. Like, okay, I mean, I feel like everyone's like, hey, well, may the best man win. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's not. I just feel like if Mark wants to stay in Kelly's life, he's not going to go to this guy that she clearly like cares a lot about. And is like, I'm going to beat you. So like, sorry, dude.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, it was all an excuse for or like a way to show or have Mark explain like his family background and say mm-hmm. that this is like what he's been striving for his whole life because he basically has to. This is this is like Paris not getting into Yale or I'm sorry, Paris not getting into Harvard when her entire family went to Harvard. So it's the same thing but Paris is much better. oh
2: for sure because
0: at least Paris is very straightforward
2: about her opinions on everything where Mark seems to be like kind of a little sneaky about it or like salty in a bad way
0: yeah exactly or like tries to play it off like he's a nice guy and like really down to earth but in reality he's like no no I I'm a Reese which didn't even know that was his last name (laughs) yeah so The
2: next morning, I guess morning, I don't know. There's 12 interviews, so, like, we really don't know what time Brandon has his. But Jason Priestley, director of this episode, loves a surreal camera shot. Like, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: when he walks into that conference room that's just, like, very long and narrow and everyone's just sitting in chairs, no table, and he has to, like, walk into the whole empty room.
0: And it was like a fish eye lens on the camera.
2: (laughs) And it's like a little bit like below his head, so it just looks weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I love him. He's just so experimental. He's an auteur. (laughs) And he wrote
0: his personal essay about the Minnesota Twins. Okay, I kind of love it. Like, it's so Brandon. And he made good points. He's like statistically... They should never have won. They were literally the worst team to have ever won the World Series. But they did it. They proved everybody wrong. They worked together. The, the whole is better than, or greater than the sum of its parts. Like, I actually kind of loved it, especially being a sports fan. But it was just so funny. He's like, because even the interviewer is like, you wrote about the 87 twins? <laughs> yeah, just like, defend yourself. What did you do? <laughs> yeah, please explain. <laughs> but
2: then... When they said Minnesota Twins, I was like, oh, my God, did you write about your sister? Oh,
0: you're a Minnesota Twin. (laughs) I know.
1: That's what I was like about to pop in and say. Just like what if at the end he was just like, oh, by the way, I also am a Minnesota Twin. Finger guns. Hire me, Brandon. (laughs) so cute. For this money.
2: (laughs) Just I am a Minnesota Twin stands up and is like backing out of the room doing the finger guns. Very like Spongebob. Oh, my God how cute but no he he gives this great answer for his personal essay and then craig starts talking to him he's like how you doing he's like honestly i feel pretty good after that last answer like i kind of crushed it like I, in a I very braided that. way yeah yeah i was totally good with it and then craig is like how do you feel about the bible and i was like excuse me sir no like i just feel like you can't actually ask that question if anybody is not
0: A Christian, they have not read that Bible. And let's be real, a lot of Christians have not read the Bible, nor could they, or if they have, they could not compare and contrast John Calvin Calvin. and Ezekiel. Not like, it'd be one thing if it was was, like an extremely well-known figure in the Bible, like Moses, Jesus, Abraham, Ezekiel, can't even tell you which one he is. I don't know. I don't know. I went to church all my life. No idea.
2: Yeah, I had to read the entire Bible cover to cover sophomore year of high school, I think. Couldn't tell you. I don't even know where Ezekiel is. And like Old Testament, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) So, yeah, I was like, uh, I mean, John Calvin, is that the one that started like Calvinism? Yeah,
0: I think. (laughs) And I'm second guessing myself.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And now how do you compare and contrast somebody that started a religion with like an angel from the book?
0: Yeah, I'm assuming oh, a, I don't know. I was about to say, oh, was he an angel or was that Gabriel?
1: <laughs> I don't even know if he's like a prophet or like an ancestor of Jesus' lineage. Like, Abraham. I le- yeah. legitimately don't remember who this is.
0: All I can right. think of from for Ezekiel is is like, i What was it? Is that video that went viral that was like, was it Ezekiel?
2: okay Ezekiel remember. is a prophet he prophesied, prophesied prophesied that the exiles from both Judah and Israel would return to Palatine leaving none in the
0: diaspora there's lots of words there that are words
2: <laughs> well I did say prophesied and prophesied about five times so I'm
0: I'm sure I'm part of what got you messed up but well I know what Palestine is but I don't know what some of the other words you said are. <laughs>
2: It sounds like this man is a prophet, and then I think John Calvin started a religion, so, like, it really is, it feels like an apples to oranges comparison here.
1: Yeah. I, like, if I had gotten this question, I'd be like, I forget who Ezekiel is, and I'm (laughs) definitely going to confuse Calvin for uh, Martin Luther.
2: Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, if you ask this question now, I feel like you'd be like, I don't know, what team does John Calvin play on? I mean, is Zeke still with the the
0: Cowboys yeah you're talking about Zeke Elliott oh yeah I know that guy John Calvin he plays for the Ravens (laughs) I think he's on my fantasy team
2: (laughs) he just got me 23 points (laughs) and then I would be asked
0: to leave and they would burn my resume yeah 100 100 oh my god But, but hey you never know I would love to hear what he had to say how he would answer that question
2: Yeah, and apparently he nailed it, which, you know, we're not going to know because they cut away, and I don't think the show's writers really wanted to take the time to actually do this work. They just wanted to come up with something that was going to sound really confusing to everyone except for, like, devout Christians. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I guess, yeah, I don't know how much the Old Testament really gets read in other religions. That's not how it was raised. But, like, yeah, this is the point where I realize that, like, Mark – probably really just like purposely fucked Brandon over because oh yeah I feel like he knows Craig godfather Craig and therefore he knows like this man loves his bible but yeah the next time we see them they're sitting on a couch together and Brandon's like the last interview was 30 minutes ago why don't we know yet it's like, um, because I have to deliberate, Brandon. <laughs> There's twelve of you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, like it's a whole like Brandon's so nervous. He can't stop thinking about his odds. He's like, oh my gosh. And even think about the fact that like they wouldn't pick two guys. There are women in this group too. Like they can't just do that. And Mark is like, look, it's all over. You just gotta give yourself up to fate. And then they come out and Brandon wins. And Mark is pierced
0: just that face like his yeah. face of both like incredul incredulousness In-cred-ness. yeah incredul inc- we're going to stop saying words that we don't know <laughs> <laughs> Incred- incredulity that's yeah. how i say it i don't know if that's a word just the disbelief on his face <laughs> mixed with just complete like anger and deflation like i just that face i'll remember that face longer than i'll remember what his last name is
2: (laughs) totally unrelated i watched the episode of boy meets world where topanga and cory get back together but they want sean to think he got them back together
0: oh i love that episode
2: at the same time uh eric has gotten a word of the day calendar yes oh my (laughs) god deciduous <laughs> and he starts, like, he's, like, he says the word pertinent, and, yes. uh, they go, oh, is that on your word of the day calendar? And he goes, well, yeah, but I didn't think that it, think would, be it would
0: be relevant
2: to the conversation right now. <laughs> yeah.
0: God, I love that episode so much. Back together, big kiss. Back together, big kiss. <laughs> I love that episode. I just, who cares? <laughs> You're back together. Oh. It's so good. I can't even remember the last time I've seen that episode and I can quote it. Like, You can quote it better
2: than me and I saw it last night. (laughs) I just loved the part in it. I just (laughs) didn't think it would be relevant to this conversation. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. Brandon goes to tell everybody the big news. And... (laughs) Nat just had a desert island birthday cake for a kid named Bobby ready to go. I feel really bad for Bobby. He's clearly not getting his cake. And I don't no. think that Nat knows how story relevant a desert island birthday cake is to Brandon in this moment.
0: I just love that he was like, I just had this cake. I know.
2: <laughs> Bobby's mom is going to show up tomorrow and he's going to be like, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> you didn't deserve it as much as Brandon."
0: Yeah, like, you don't understand. This man, Brandon Walsh, got a drier fellowship. I'd be like... (laughs) Sir, this is my son's seventh birthday. I don't know what to tell you. Those two things aren't related. (laughs) He's going to be crushed without his Gilligan's
2: Island cake. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But he... Yeah, he gets this cake... And Kelly is there completely into the moment. And I think Donna's like, hey, where's Mark? And she's just like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to go find him.
0: Oh, oops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, girl, you're being a bad girlfriend. And I know you've essentially, like, resigned yourself from this relationship. But you can't just be like, I called him and left messages. It's not my fault. He's not here at his rival's
0: celebration party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is true. She should have driven to his house, like, I'll give him that but man this I mean scene yeah she's wrong he's
2: so wrong that like (laughs) the writers were like oh you want him written off the show we're gonna burn this to the ground
0: I could have written down this whole scene as my quote of the week like it was so good. So, so bad in terms of like what they said to each other, mostly Mark, but like, God, I really do feel like Jason Priestley was like, okay, you've got your lines, but just play, like just go Mm -hmm. and and we'll record for a while till we get to the very end. Just make sure you hit this Mark, make sure you hit, you know, this final line, like whatever, just go. Because like, I didn't, I, I was really neither here nor there about, um, Dalton James's performance as Mark because I just it it never really was one way or the other but we know Kelly we know Jenny Garth can handle more emotional scenes like so well beyond a lot of the other cast members so just from the jump like first of all Mark's just hiding in the bushes he's just lurking then in the dark in the dark just waiting for Kelly to walk out like oh my god but then Mark starts to, like, accuse Kelly of still not sleeping with him and betraying him. I It was wild. The, the moment where he's like,
2: make love to me, I need it. Which I hate that he <laughs> yeah. keeps saying make love. Like, that is not Ugh. what this is in this moment, first of all, if she went through with it. But I love that she just, like, pushes him off and is like, oh, my God, you're drunk.
0: Right? Like, what are you, drunk? And, he, like, yeah, yeah he, he's just like, oh, I knew you wouldn't be willing to you know make love with me or he doesn't actually say that but like basically does and i just love that color is like you know what i'm actually really glad that we didn't get to that step in this relationship because it's given me a lot of time to see your true colors yeah and oh uh, when
2: he's like you're gonna lose me if you don't shape up i'm a reese. do you know what you
0: could have the uh inheritance that you could get oof literally like kind of lol when he said i'm a reese or whatever but yeah like he's like you lost that scholarship because you didn't think you could lose it and i kind of loved that line in general and calls him entitled like the angles the camera angles on the scene were actually kind of great like for what the scene was mm-hmm. and just that like final portion of the script i absolutely loved He's like, don't call me to say you're sorry unless you're ready to seal the deal. Don't call me for blah, 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 blah. blah. Don't call me. And she just, little smile. Okay. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. (laughs) And then that final line. If you're in such a hurry to become a millionaire, I've got a little tip for you. And he's like, lay it on me. Like, this is why I think they were playing. Every time the phone rings, bet someone it's not me. You'll be right every time. And the fact that he doesn't get it that was everything. my favorite part. That was
2: my <laughs> favorite part that it just all seems to go over his head because he has been raised to feel so entitled. Like, yep. I'm going to get the dryer scholarship from nepotism. Any girl I pick is going to be so lucky to have me. Like mm-hmm. I have the upper hand and the fact that she's still in love with Brandon, like, okay, I tell her not to call. She's going to realize the error of her ways and come right at me. And Kelly's just like, bet.
0: Yeah, right? God, I loved it. Like, this kind of felt like a play right here, you know? Like, they were, like, kind of, like, dancing back and forth. It was so good. I just I loved it. I loved it so much. It was so juicy. I loved it. And, yeah, so,
2: like, we've already mentioned this was directed by Jason Priestley. I do have bad news. We only have two more episodes directed by Jason Priestley. I Damn. looked it up. And I kind of love his the storyline episodes. for myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fine. I will still be completely shocked when we get there because I promise you my brain is jelly and I won't remember by the time we get there. (laughs) But like, yeah, I was bummed. I was like, I have to know because I know he leaves at some point, but I didn't know exactly Mm -hmm. when and I didn't want to spoil that for myself. But I was like, at some point, like maybe he leaves, but he keeps like he comes back to direct an episode, which I didn't think happened, but maybe. Mm hmm. But yeah, we're we're quickly running out of Jason Priestley directed episodes. No, I mean, no. Tell you what we did truly run out of is Mark. Yeah, Mark is gone.
0: Mark is just
2: quitting the TV station, I guess.
0: And we'll never see him again. Well, you know what they say. If you can't get a dryer fellowship, you might as well just quit. (laughs) Just go live off of your inheritance. Fuck it. Yeah, he's a Reese. He'll be fine.
2: <laughs> I, sw- I hope somebody says that in, like, three episodes. They're like, he's a Reese. He'll be fine.
0: God. That's what I'll say going forward. So sorry, Dalton James, if the rumors about you were untrue. But bye-bye, little Sebastian, and bye-bye, Mark Reese. Yeah, I I feel bad from all of the rumors
2: that seem to have come out about why he got written off the show in this way. I mean, <laughs> on the bright side, that was a hell of an episode to go out on.
0: It really was. Yeah. I'll I'll be thinking about that last scene for a while.
2: Yeah, they honestly they really mm-hmm. like to give Kelly these like goosebumps walk away moments in the Peach Pit parking lot and I feel like this one hit a lot more than I choose me did. <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely oh man
2: and yeah do you have any other thoughts on this episode before we go into quotes of the week moments of the week etc cetera, etc cetera? i don't
0: think so i mean another great job of jason Priestley, and didn't really move plot plot forward with the exception of bye bye mark and uh, a little ominous turn for Val, which I'm really excited to get into. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting
2: that they mentioned that both Kelly and Brandon want to stay in school. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think they're like attempting to flesh out where people are going to go after this year is over. I do wonder what their renewals looked like. Did they know they were getting another season out of this? Were they worried about
0: contracts or anything at this point? I don't know. I mean, I imagine like contracts as I know them today are typically three to six years out of time, depending on, Mm -hmm. depending on the, the main cast, but who knows what it was back then? Maybe they did five and five.
2: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like at some point you're just asking people to, like, sign on for another year, maybe two years So like, you know, maybe they're struggling at this point to get people to stay or, like, they've got most of them so they're, like, really not sure what they're going to do with it. There's also the point that, you know, I can't really name other shows that have managed to do
0: high school, college, post-college. Very true. Very true. And especially, like, not well, you know, like... We've seen them attempt to do it, but even yeah. with like Dawson's Creek, like they couldn't even get past I think 2 years of college. So, it is just hard especially if you have to like put everyone in different places because realistically not everybody that you're best friends with high- with in high school go to the same college. So, you either have to do a time jump or you just have to make it work. Mhm. Yeah, so I am curious how
2: that's going to happen because there's no way that Steve stays for grad school.
0: No, no, no.
2: We're barely getting David to stay through the four years of college. Exactly. So yeah, it'll it'll be very interesting. I feel like they're trying to set that up. But yeah, we got mostly it was the Kelly or the Val stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I know you loved that last scene. Is that your quote of the week or is there a different one?
0: No, it's that. It's the entire scene. Okay, good. Because I don't think I have a single
2: other moment. Like, I wrote a bunch of quotes down, but they're, like, mean quotes. Or, like, (laughs) Tasco's model is get yours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, my only other one was, like, que to you, bud. You know, whenever – yeah, that was really the only other one I wrote down. Oh, my gosh.
2: I'm so sorry. There is something (laughs) that we forgot to talk about. I skipped over it because it was that scene – where Val met Brandon and Tracy at the job fair and was like, oh, Tom is going to be staying for- with us for a while. The way that that scene pivots away from Val is because some random man walks up to Brandon and is like, oh, my God, are you Brandon Walsh? <laughs> yeah. And then he says, my mom is not going to believe I got to meet you. And I. That's my quote of the week.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you. Like... <clears throat> Also, this man had a southern accent, but claims he's in Minnesota. I mean, I guess what there's this? country everywhere. I guess, but just the whole thing was so unbelievable. I was like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> it was so dumb, and I loved every second of it.
2: I wrote it in all caps. I can't believe
1: I skipped over it.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done now. Mary, what about you?
1: Moment of the week is... The last scene, 100%. Kelly did a thing, like the first thing in several episodes that I liked her doing, and it was getting rid of Mark.
2: hmm Yep. I mean, it just, it wasn't the thing. I I don't even understand why they started dating in the first place. Like, it just felt yeah. like she didn't want to be alone.
0: Correct. But And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think she at least very clearly was like, this doesn't mean as much to me as it does you. So. Yeah.
2: I just, yeah, I wish like when she realized that she had ended it at that point and not this, Mm -hmm. but then at the same time would have meant we would, we didn't get that scene. So exactly. You know, I'm good with it.
1: I think one thing that's so funny about Mark is like, he was so focused on Kelly 100% of the time when they were dating or whatever, just being like you're so pretty and you do things to give me boners and blah, blah, blah. Just like focusing on like talking her up and stuff. And then like in this episode, you realize it's like you're all of these things and I deserve you. Mm,
2: Yeah. mm -hmm.
1: Like it's all because he thinks highly of himself and not because he thinks highly of her.
0: That's an
2: awesome point. I love it. Yeah. Like he sees her as like Kind of like a trophy wife to yes. go with his dryer scholarship and his inheritance. Yes.
0: percent. Yeah.
1: So him just being like, you're the kind of girl I could marry. Don't call me unless you're ready to seal the deal. And I'm just like, right. ew.
0: He's like, yes, that was another line. He was like, you're the kind of girl I can marry, but you're blowing it, babe. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? You could be God. a Reese.
0: God, he could have been a contender. Like- <laughs> yeah.
2: No, this was, like, giving me uh, Robbie the Waiter vibes from Dirty Dancing, where he's just like, baby, there's some of us that matter and some of us that don't. Oh, God. Like, that's what I felt from him, is that he's just like,
0: I'm better than
2: everyone else, Mm -hmm. and you'd be lucky to get me.
0: But he was so good at, like, convincing everyone that he wasn't a bad guy, you know? Yeah. Which what
2: happened to Robbie in Dirty Dancing (laughs) up until he blows his own spot much like Mark just did here anyway what's next week
0: yeah so (laughs) next week we've got season 7 episode 15 Phantom of CU do you remember the DCOM Phantom of the Megaplex
2: of course I do it was easily one of my favorites (laughs) that's just like now I want to go watch that like I really hope there is like a quote-unquote phantom, like living in the boiler room at CU. Oh,
1: if only. I want I want the peep pad to be haunted.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I'll just say keep in mind because I don't I don't know I've not looked like read further on the synopsis, but like this episode is airing in January, so it's okay. Confusing.
2: But the Boy Meets World Scream episode aired in February.
0: Okay, fair. That's fair. So, yeah, I mean, great, 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 great episode.
2: Yeah, we just that one comes before the one we just watched. So, like, Mm -hmm. we're in a good season. I just love Angela. They're like, good scream. Angela, you tired of screaming? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Don't look over here. And immediately picks up the dead janitor.
0: I love also just Jack. Eric. Feffy. Eric. Feffy. He was my friend. I didn't really know her. <laughs> she dies because like five books fall
2: on her. I know. Oh man. Oh, uh, so yeah. We'll find out about the Phantom of CU next week, and until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to Podcast.
0: Also, shoot us over an email with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns at backtopodcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com.
2: And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community and give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go visit my high school ex-boyfriend with an ominous
0: videotape. I apparently need to go brush up on my vocabulary.
1: And I need to go hire someone against my business partner's wishes, but it's fine. I'm paying him from my own salary. Bye. Bye. See ya.